Welcome to this audio presentation from St. Charles River Church. Today we have a message that we believe is for practical area. Please come by and visit us from God's Word, Zero Westwood Industrial Park Drive to grab a piece of paper and pen. Take notes you can read this. Looking for a personal application online at www.stcharlesriverchurch.com. Hey, I'm glad that you're back. I hope that you've notified some people to join us. It was great worship. I love worshiping with Pastor Mike and the worship team. We're so grateful for their faithfulness and for your faithfulness as well. I told you a few minutes ago, I want to talk to you today about a miracle. Uh, I read a book uh, many years ago, actually, that so transformed my life and my perspective about miracles. And I wanted to just share with you, if you can ever get a hold of the book, uh, there's a miracle in the house by Tommy Barnett, the pastor at the time of Phoenix First Assembly of God. What a transformational book uh, it would be. And uh, I just want to just, just kind of let you know that was just an incredible uh, encouragement to me as God was showing me about what my miracles would look like and what miracles really do look like is sometimes a whole lot like um, things that we take for granted every day. I've heard people say through the years, I've actually heard this phrase used through the years, well, I don't know why God never gives me my miracles. I have prayed and I have prayed and I have prayed. Well, I, I just want to tell you before we get started and address that kind of question, I want to just take the time to invite the Lord into our presence, into your home and into our service today here at SCRC. And we just want to ask God's revelation and his anointing upon his word. And he always does, by the way, it never goes out and comes back without some level of amazing impact. That's what God's Word says. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your presence that we sense in this room today and that we're sensing in our homes today as this is being viewed. And I ask you, God, that you would pour out your Spirit in the homes of St. Charles River Church family members as well as those of us that are SCRC at a distance, those that are viewing and watching and participating at a distance and sometimes great distances. Bless them in their homes, whatever country they are in. Let them know, Lord God, that you are the God of miracles for them today. That their miracle is yet to happen, but it's right around the corner. God, teach us about our miracle, the miracle that you have caused within our spirit, the greatest miracle of all, the miracle of a life that's transformed by the renewing of our mind. The greatest miracle of all, Lord God, remind us at all times is the salvation of a man or a woman or a boy or girl, the new name being written in the book of life, God. There is no greater miracle than that in and of itself. It gets heaven's attention. In fact, your word says, Lord, that heaven applauds when even one celebrates, when even one comes to know you. Show us the value of the miracles you put in our lives that sometimes we just take for granted. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. 
Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Again, thank you for joining us. I do want to talk with you just a little bit about the expectation of a miracle. You see, at St. Charles River Church, we do believe in miracles. We still believe that the modern-day church can not only can pray for miracles, but can actually expect to see them. And I, I can tell you through the years, I just mentioned to you uh, a, a moment ago before I prayed, I've had people say to me, I pray and it seems like God never answers my prayers. And I just want to talk with you today about maybe on a couple of different things about miracles. Maybe we need to relook at what we think of as a miracle. Let me just tell you a real deeply personal story for me. Uh, and I, and I, I can share this with you because I, I know my family members uh, know the whole story. They lived it with us, in fact. Um, back in 1987, those of you that are SCRC family members, you attend here regularly, you know this story. I lost my older brother, BJ, uh, to a drunk driver, uh, a, a driver that was making a wrong decision. Uh, put He drank too much consumed too much and was was driving and uh on October 17th 1987 my brother and his fiance were uh, experiencing a great day he had called me the night before and he said hey bear uh, I'm going to be out off out of the business tomorrow just want to let you know I'm going to celebrate my birthday and our new engagement he had a new uh, girlfriend at the uh, a fiance at the time and so it was a beautiful story and uh and so just it was just one of those great days for him. And, and as they were uh, on a highway that's not too far outside of St. Louis, just a couple of hours, Route 21, uh, in, a, in this area called Elephant Rock, Missouri. If you don't know, it's a beautiful state park. He had just left there when this individual crossed the highway and, uh, and I, totally accidentally uh, hit my brother's car, and he was killed. Uh, it, it took just a few hours, but... Uh, God took him home and he had called me the night before and he said, bear, I'm just going to tell you. He said, man, God's given me this brand new life. I've, he said, I've about a year ago, he had committed his life to really just solidly committed his life to Christ. It was a beautiful, beautiful thing for us to hold on to. And, uh, that was for me, I, I look back and I look at the loss of my brother. And yet I will tell you that phone call for me, uh, really brought a perspective of what a miracle for me felt like. That amazing conversation that I had with him the night before uh, he left this earth into the presence of the Lord. It was a beautiful miracle for me. I've held on to that conversation, and so has my family for years, because, you see, we got to see and hear the evidence of what God was doing in his life before he left us. And uh, by the way, he's not that far away. He is in the presence of the Lord today, and we're so grateful for that assurance. But can I just say this to you? I, I had people say through the years, and they said it to my parents, said it to my family, well, you know, why would God allow that to happen to your brother? You know, your family's a Christian family. You guys love God. Why? I, I don't understand. And most of these, by the way, were not necessarily mature believers, or they weren't necessarily believers themselves. But they would reference God, and they said, I, I don't know why bad things happen to good people. And I would tell you, they do a lot happen to good they, they, they happen to good people. Can I just kind of rebut, just kind of, kind of debunk that myth that only, you know, only good people bad things happen to? Bad things happen to great people. Bad things happen to awful people. Bad things happen to everybody somewhere along the way. We were no exception to that rule. In fact, I'll never forget when someone asked my mother, uh, Brenda, why, why, you know, 
Why would God allow you to go through that? And my mom's answer was simply this, why not us? We know the Lord. We trust the Lord. Why would we be an exception to that? And I'll never forget that level of faith that she displayed. But through the years, I've come to view that as, uh, you know, the, the miracle that God gave us was that we actually got to see my brother come to Jesus Christ and really live out this amazing life full of the Spirit of the living God. And if some, perhaps some of you have actually been through that, you know exactly what I'm talking about. The peace that comes in when God allows you to see something like that. Uh, it was a miracle for us. So I'm not cheapening what a miracle is. I'm expanding the viewpoint, the perspective of how God used these things in our lives in a beautiful, miraculous way. Uh, another story real quick, and then I'll get into God's word. There was, I was, there was a season in my life where I was actually the chaplain of parents of murdered children here in St. Charles County. We worked directly with the prosecuting attorney's office here in St. Charles County. And, uh, I'll never forget, and this was a perspective that I have grabbed onto through the years. And I just want to maybe give some food for thought to this. I'll never forget uh, the first night that I went into that room and they introduced me as the chaplain. It was a new chapter that had been formed here in St. Charles County. And we worked with some amazing people. And by the way, the parents of these murdered children were quite amazing, fell in love with them. And it took a season for there to be a, a trust from them because they were... Uh, first couple of months, there was this continual charge from them. You don't tell me I have to forgive the, the person that killed my child. And I would never tell them. I, I, I never pushed that issue. What I would push is what does God want to speak to you about healing? But during that time, I can tell you that every set of those parents that we worked with directly under the prosecuting attorney's office, I can tell you those individuals would have given anything for their baby to come home. And I know you know what I'm saying. They would have given anything they owned. They would have given every resource they have to, to see that baby come back through that door. And so that is a perspective that has never left me. And I have, I've actually had the, the privilege of sharing that conversation with people who said, I'm looking for a miracle. I have never had my miracle. I've asked God, please give me my miracle. Please give me my miracle. And, and Pastor Barry, he just never gives me my miracle. And, uh, and there's a lot of things in there, perhaps, that are involved in why they didn't see it their way. Perhaps they weren't praying necessarily in the will of God about how that miracle is going to transpire. But the one thing I would often do is say, do you have children? And uh, they would say, well, yeah. Oftentimes they would say, yeah, I've got children. I said, do you have grandbabies? Oh, yeah. No, I have grandbabies. I said, did they come home last night? Did they sleep in their bed last night? Because you see, I know parents today who would give anything for your miracle. You see, your babies came home last night. Your grandbabies came home last night. And, and I can tell you, every one of those parents in that room over the two years that I served, I can tell you they would give anything for your miracle. You see, your babies came home last night. Do you get the perspective? Your babies came home last night. And, uh, and, and that doesn't minimize the miracle that you're looking for. And I want you to know that. It's just sometimes we need to grab onto the perspective that there really are miracles in our house. Tommy Burnett, again, he wrote the book, A Miracle. There's a miracle in the house. And I would just simply ask you, look around your house and look at the miracles that are in your house. 
before we get into Scripture, think about the miracles that are in your house, your family, your babies, your spouse, those miracles that are in your house, all those, not just possessions, but the miracles of relationships, perhaps, that are in, the, in your house. And if you're alone, let me just say with you right now, the Spirit of the living God has not forgotten you. You are not alone. And I know we've heard that a lot here lately, but it is the truth. You are not alone. I do want to share with you a story this morning about a woman that needed a miracle. Uh, it is found in the book of Second Kings. And, and I just simply want to tell you, this is a great family we're about to read about. This is a great family. This is a family that is just a godly family. By Elisha's own admission here in the scripture I'm about to read to you, it is chapter 4 of second kings and it's a story about a man who passed away who was a godly man in fact he kept the company of the prophets uh, he kept elisha's company and so this was a man who was faithful to the lord this was a man who who did amazing service in the kingdom of god and he, his reputation served him well and uh, and he passed away and in the beginning of chapter four it's verse one it simply says the wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, my, ser- my, your servant rather, my husband is dead. And you know he was revered, that he revered rather the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my boys as slaves. Can I tell you something? The, we don't know why the financial stress took place here. But this was a man of God. This was a man of principle. This was a man who raised his family to be faithful to God and to know God. And now he is gone and something tragically is about to happen and his creditor is about to come and enslave or to uh, to force uh, employment upon these boys until the debt is is served. And, and Elisha, in verse 2, it says, Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she, she said, except a little oil. Verse 3, Elisha said, go around and ask all of your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. In other words, collect as many as you can. <laughs> go get a lot of jars, empty jars. In verse 4, he says, then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. You, in other words, don't let anybody else in the house. You need a miracle. Meet with God, basically, behind those closed doors, just you and your family. Pour the oil into the jars, and as each is filled, put it to one side. In verse 5, brother, it says, She left him afterward and shut the door behind her and her son. She did exactly what he said. They brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. When the jars were her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there is not another one left. The oil, then at that point, the, the word says, the oil stopped pouring. It stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God, and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. Oh, my Lord Jesus, what a miracle. I mean, grab on to what took place. Basically, he says, look, you go get all the empty that you can get. And as long as, can you imagine, what had they? What if they had gone out and borrowed a thousand jars? I don't know how many they borrowed. We have no clue in the story how many they borrowed. But what they didn't borrow, what they, did, what they didn't borrow was the oil. They already had the oil. 
The miracle, though, was not in the oil. You've got to get this picture. The miracle was in trusting that what God said through the prophet was true and by acting, by faith, on what he said to do. You see, God is faithful, and sometimes he will take us into his, or allow us to go, rather, into a situation, and he will allow us to have our, our faith extended and expanded in different directions. This woman was in a crisis moment, and maybe you are in a crisis right now. And God is asking of you, what do you have in your house? What do you have in your house? You, if you need a financial miracle, what do you have in your house? What is it that, that there's a resource that you never even realized you have a resource there? I can tell you, uh, uh, last week I was telling you the story about a trip to California that uh, Gina and I, my wife and I, took with our girls, Megan and Kristen, and it was a great trip. Told you about that. I mean, there was there was just, just the memories, by the way, are just treasures for us. And uh, while we were out there, we, you know, we went to a, a, a restaurant called Planet Hollywood. And, and while we were there, it was just an, a great dinner that we had. And the girls were younger. And, and uh, about that time we st- that we were having dinner, all these people started cheering and screaming. And, and, uh, and, and I'm trying to figure out why everybody is cheering and screaming and standing up. And in walks Antonio Banderas and his wife, Melanie Griffith. Then walks uh, Meatloaf. I don't, if you're old now, if you know who Meatloaf is, you just gave your age away. So Meatloaf walks into the restaurant, and we're sitting there going. I mean, this is a party of parties, and so it was a wonderful memory. And by the way, I, I look across the table, and all of a sudden, I see feet on my table. I'm eating a steak that night, and I see feet on my table. When I look up, is my daughter standing on our table so they can see Antonio and Melanie. I mean, it was it was one of those great moments in my life. And I, I, by the way, they weren't the only ones standing on tables. They were adults standing on tables. They were getting cameras and all kinds of views. And then at the end of the dinner, we go outside and we're waiting for our white, as my daughters called it, our white chunky van. Uh, as it pulls up, Carl Weathers, you know Apollo Creed in the movie uh, Rocky? Carl Weathers, he walks up next to me to my left, and I can't remember what kind of sports car he pulled. It was pulling up to him, you know. It was it was valet parking, and up, I think it was like a Maserati, something like that. Carl, if you ever see this, if it wasn't a Maserati, forgive me. I'm just saying it was a nice car, whatever it was that he pulled up into. And our oldest daughter says, Dad, get in quick. I feel like the Beverly Hillbillies. <laughs> get in. Get in. This is embarrassing. Pull away quick. Pull away. Don't let people see us in this white, chunky van. Great memories. Well, I told you on that same vacation, I went to the Ronald Reagan Presidential Library and and uh, bought a few things. And by the way, that same Megan <laughs> was in the room with me when they, when they told the people to lock the doors because I was buying so much in the in the souvenir shop. And I was spending some. I, it was my vacation. I had saved for it, and uh, and so and Gina was outside. <laughs> so so Megan says, "Mom, Dad's going. Mom's going to kill you, Dad, if if she sees how much you're buying." I said, "Just stay inside. Just stay with me." And so they locked the door in the in the guest or in the uh, in the gift shop there at the Ronald Reagan Presidential Library. And I laid. I told you this last week. I laid a big picture up there, and uh, this was signed by hand signed by the president. She said, "Let me get you the best." signature of the president and so it was just an amazing experience and uh, and i told you last week i bought this book as well and it is hand signed by the president so there were just several things and let me just kind of be real transparent with you i only paid two hundred dollars for this book 
uh, back in the, it was 1998. My wife reminded me last week. It was 1998. Uh, I paid $200 for the book and I paid about $300 for the picture that I had laid up there. The president was still uh, living. In fact, he was in the day before signing. And, and I just thought, I know I'm spending way too much money here, but how often do you get to have memories like this? And it was the greatest two weeks, perhaps two-week vacation of our family's history. And I can tell you, let me speed up a little bit. Uh, the, the bill in that, in that uh, uh, gift shop was nothing compared to our daughter's college bills. Do you get the picture? <laughs> I thought I was spending a lot of money when I bought those things in that gift shop. And I have purchased some things through the years that are just treasures to me. And, uh, but there's no greater treasure than my babies and my wife, my family. There's no greater treasure than that. We talked about that last week. Well, just speed it up through. We, we actually had a college bill that was due. And I mean, it was a chunk that was due. And uh, I, I just, out of curiosity, I went back online. This is years later. I mean, years later. I went back online. And I'm just going to be up front with you and tell you, this book... When I went online to see what it would sell for after the president had passed away, I was shocked at the value of this book. And then I went on, uh, into a different page and I looked at that picture that I had bought with the president's hand signature, one of only a couple of hundred of that particular picture. I'm telling you the value of that picture of that Ronald Reagan presidential library picture with the president's hand signature on it was I couldn't believe the value. And I realized something. I couldn't pay that college bill. And I'm just being really transparent with you. I couldn't pay. And yet it was due. And I remember I had just read the book. Uh, There's a miracle in the house. And I realized something. It was my first experience with eBay. (laughs) And I thought, Lord Jesus, I, this is a treasure to me. I don't want to, I don't want to let go of this thing. But this, uh, why did I buy it? Why did I ever buy it? Perhaps that many years ago in 1998, you were providing for my miracle. Perhaps you were placing in my house the miracle for the bill that would come someday. And I, I started seeing how the hand of God was in several things through the years that I had done. And, and so I went on eBay and I found some guy in Australia that wanted to pay enough to me that I paid that college bill. And I was, not, not the whole thing, but it was what was due at the time. And that's all I needed. By the way, I don't need money for the rest of my life. I just need money for today. That's the same as you. We need to be able to, 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 be, to be in a position where we're taking care of our responsibilities today. Well, God met that need because, you see, there was a miracle in the house. Just like the lady already had the jar with the oil in it. And as long as she was obedient to, to what the prophet had said, and she had faith that what he said God was going to do, I'm telling you, I begin to look around. It wasn't, I, I didn't do a fire sale, nothing like that. But I begin to look around and see what it was that God wanted to show me about the miracles in my house. And by the way, the greatest miracles that he's ever shown me is what I just told you a few minutes ago, was my, our babies and my, my wife and our families and now our grandbabies. They are some of our greatest miracles. And by the way, they came home last night. And I'm so grateful for that. For those of you whose babies didn't come home last night, I pray for you. I bless you in the Lord. And we just pray. We understand at some great level uh, the, the burden that you carry. But one day, we're just praying that you will be reunited with that family member and, and that God will bless you with such an incredible experience. 
when that day comes. But I want to go one step further. I learned that uh, about the, the issue of miracles. I didn't want to just receive miracles. And by the way, I could take more time, and I will as time goes by on these broadcasts. I'll tell you more and more about the miracles that we have seen both financially, uh, we've seen physically. Uh, God healed me. I wasn't able to walk in first grade. Uh, I missed almost the entire first grade year. God healed me supernaturally. There are things I'm going to share with you through the years. But one thing I have learned is I don't want to just receive miracles, Lord. I want to be a part of somebody else's miracle. And uh, so I'll tell you another really quick story. Uh, several years ago, we were we just saw God doing some amazing things at St. Charles River Church. And I mean, I have by faith watched people walk in those doors that I could never have imagined walking through the door. We are when you found our church or when you're the founder of a church, you have some expectation, but you have really no level of idea about what God is going to do. But you pray for it, you believe for it, you believe for the miracles and not just for us, but for other people. And what God has done through SCRC through the years is amazing. And on one occasion, we sensed that we really needed to buy a bus we needed to buy a bus badly because we had youth and seniors we had to start uh, transporting from different locations. And uh, I wanted to take the seniors down to Branson. And, and if you've not been to Branson in Missouri, it's one of the top vacation places in all of America. And uh, behind Disney World, everybody's behind Disney World, by the way. So, and, and which we've been to a lot of times. But so we wanted to take these these seniors and these youth in different locations. And we just felt we needed to go ahead and invest in a bus. And we had found a bus. Now, get this. We had found a bus for approximately a a pre-owned bus, but for about $19,000. It was a great purchase price. It was an amazing purchase price from a church uh, over in the inner city of St. Louis. And we just, you know, we were going after it. We felt we could we could afford it. It was worth well more than that. And and uh, had a, uh, an elders meeting here at St. Charles River Church. And by the way, we never do anything here at River Church. If the elders aren't in total unity, we don't do it. Even if one dissents, we don't do it. We believe that when it's the same as in the book of Acts. When they were all in one accord, the Spirit fell. When unity hits a church, the Spirit of the living God will come. If you're wondering why the, the Spirit of the living God isn't pouring out at your church, pray for unity. Just pray that God brings everything into one accord. It's a spiritual release for a church. Well, this particular elder at the time said, Pastor Barry, I just don't sense that we, that we're supposed to buy that bus right now. I just, I just don't think it, the timing is right. And I have to admit, I'm going to be honest with you. I was, I was really disappointed. Uh, this is a precious friend of mine. If you believe, by the way, that elders don't say no or that your deacons or whatever your church leadership structure is, if you believe that, that they don't say no to your pastor or dissent from your pastor's opinion, I'm going to tell you, these are some of the closest friends I've ever had. And they just say to me at times, no, I just don't sense that's the will of the Lord for right now for us. Pastor Barry, let's pray about it. And maybe the timing will be better. And I go with that. And we have always gone with that for 20 years of this church's existence. So this elder said, Pastor Barry, I just don't sense that this is the right time for us to do this. And I reluctantly just said, okay, if that's how you feel, then we don't do it. No, no, no. You got two thirds of the votes. Go ahead and buy that bus. I don't want to be the reason we don't. I said, no, no, no. That's not what the spirit of God spoke into me at the beginning of this church. We move in unity. We move in one accord or we don't move at all. 
And so about a year later, the, the, the time and the season came again. We started to need to move these seniors and these, uh, the, the youth group here at St. Charles River Church. And so we just sensed we just need another bus and, and different elder had rotated on to the leadership time, uh, team at that point. And, and, uh, someone said to me, do you think that bus at that inner city church would still be available? I said, I doubt it. That was such a great price. I doubt it. And, uh, and, and so we, you know, I said, but I'll call a pastor. I'll call that pastor and see. I called this pastor in the inner city of St. Louis, and he said, Pastor, I've never sold that bus yet, but if you'll come out, I'd be happy to talk with you about it. And so on the way out there, one of my elders who had talked with this pastor said, you know, Pastor Beer, I think he'd sell that for for." $15,000 now. And I said, well, we'll just see when we get out there. And when we got there, we got on the bus. He's an older uh, African-American pastor there in the inner city. And by the way, when I say he's older, I'm about his age today. <laughs> this was quite a few years ago. So I'm what I just referred to older may be what I am today. But but it didn't seem, you know, it, for me, he was older in that season of my life. And so I said, Pastor, what do you what do you need for the bus and he looked at me and he said, Pastor, I, I really need 15, but I'll take 13. I said, why do you say that? He said, well, we have bills we've got to pay here and we need a miracle. We need a miracle. And I said, Pastor, but you said you need 15. Now I'm going to pause the story there. Just so you know, about two days before that, uh, there was a man walked up at the new facility that we had built you know, back in 2004, this this. Uh, Brand new, beautiful facility that, that God gave us to use for 15 years. Now we're in a temporary location and uh, we're looking for other property, perhaps someday to build uh, a little bit uh, out here in the O'Fallon area. But we'll wait for God's timing for that because timing is everything. This story verifies that. So this slender man came walking up our colonnade that was out in the front of our church at the time. It was a beautiful colonnade that was out in front of that building. And I knew this man. I had known this man for years, but I hadn't seen him in about 20 years. But I had known him. He was a Roffler hairstylist just like I was. He's just a, a just a, a great guy. A great, in fact, he was a state champion, Roffler hairstylist in the state of Missouri. And I couldn't believe I was seeing him. And I so I, I go out to the front door and I open the front door and I yell his name. What are you doing here? Man, what are you doing? He said, I hear you're a pastor. I said, yeah, it's hard to believe. <laughs> he said, no, I, I just I just had to come and talk to you. I didn't even know. I'm going to be up front with you. I didn't even know he was a believer at the time. I just knew he was one of the greatest guys. I mean, had a great reputation. Well, this guy had an amazing family, loves God, pours the spirit of the living God into other people, just blesses people. And so this guy came into my office, his precious brother comes into my office, sits down, and, and the bus was out front. And, and, uh, and somewhere in the conversation, this particular individual said, uh, Barry, what's that bus doing outside? You know it's running. I, I didn't. I'll be honest with you. I totally forgot that I started it because I wanted to see how it really ran, you know, for a couple of hours. And so I forgot I was running the bus outside. And so this guy says, his brother, close friend of mine today says, yeah, that bus is running. Are you buying that bus? He said, are you going to buy that bus? And I said, well, we are. We're in the process right now. He said, wait a minute. You're not going to pay interest on that bus, are you? I said, well, I've never known a bank that didn't want interest on any loan. So I have a feeling. In fact, I said, I'm waiting right now for the president of our bank to call and uh, tell us that we got the loan. He said, well, what are you paying for that bus? I said, I was kind of, (laughs) it's one of those things. I said, well, it's going to be at least 15,000. He said, wait a minute. You're not paying interest on that bus. And he reaches into his pocket and he said, just a second. He puts his checkbook down. 
I love this lesson that he showed me that day. He got on his phone and he texted his spouse to see if she was in one accord with him on something he was about to do. And then he looks at me, and because apparently the answer came quick, and he said, yep, we're going to buy that bus for you. And he wrote a check for $15,000. He said, you're not about to pay interest on that. I believe that's what the Lord said to me. And I'm like, you have got to be. Are you serious? And he said, yeah. I said, man, I haven't seen you in 20 years, and you walk in here and do that? And I said, I'm blown away. He said, no, I love being a part of somebody else's miracle. We love seeing what God does and he gives us opportunity. And you, and I'm sitting there thinking, what have I taught through the years? My availability gives God opportunity to do a miracle through me. Well, he was living that out right in front of me. And now, now let, let me jump a little bit further forward back to the story of when we're in the bus with this, this, uh, this older pastor. I said, pastor, what is it you need? He said, well, I, I, I need 15, but I'll take 13. I said, again, why, why do you say it that way? He said, well, I need to pay bills, but he said, I, I'll take 13. I said, pastor, if you need 15, I'm going to give you 15 because I'm going to be up front with you. That's what God gave us just a couple of days prior to this. You see, this isn't my money. God gave this check to me to give on to you. And what I realized was, I I was catching this as this thing was developing. God allowed me to be a part of his miracle. You see, the 15,000 wasn't just my miracle. The 15,000 was this brother's miracle and this church family's miracle. All of a sudden, things begin to break loose in my spirit. Lord, I just don't want miracles for me. I want to be a part of somebody else's miracle. Can you imagine how Elisha felt when the woman came back to him and said, Elisha, you can't imagine how much I sold. And he says to her, sweetheart, lady, whatever, sell it all except for some and live on the rest and you and your sons will be blessed. You see, obedience, faith, action, those things are great, great formulas for the miracle coming to you. But in this particular case, I can tell you in my case with this bus situation, being a part of this brother's miracle was much grander for me than being a part of my own miracle. You see, I'm asking God, and I want to ask God this for you as well today, that you don't just seek for your miracle. Let me tell you, can I tell you, your miracle will be provided when you start being available to be the miracle in somebody else's life. Can Get the picture. When you realize, Lord, I need a miracle. I need a miracle. Maybe there's something in your house. Maybe there is a miracle in your house, just like my picture was the miracle in my house. Maybe there's something, a resource that's in your house. If you need financial relief today, maybe there's something. Ask God to show you, Lord, what can I do? Because you have, uh, just like he provided me with this picture, the money to buy this picture at a very low rate, that thing actually escalated to the point it could meet my miracle need that day. Ask God, what is it, God, that you want me if there are resources in your home. But let let me just let me just go a little bit further. First, don't forget to thank God, perhaps for the job that you already do have, if you have a job. Don't forget to thank God for the roof that he's given to you, because you see, that's a miracle. We go to countries every year. Uh, in, in Latin America and different countries around the world. We go to countries that all, and I'm talking about mud huts. 
I'm talking about little places, uh, tent cities. We sent our youth group just a few years ago to Hawaii to one of the largest tent communities. Do you know that Hawaii, if I'm not mistaken, has the largest tent community in all of the United States of America? These people are living in tents. Thank God for the miracle that's over your head. Thank God if you have a car, for the car that you have to get to work. Thank God for a boss that actually hired you and and, and stop getting so mad at him or her every time they ask something more of you. But rather work hard and, and, and establish a reputation for being the person that is productive because you see, God gave you that miracle job. Don't keep looking at what others have. Look at what you already have and begin to thank God for your husband or your wife. Thank God for your babies. Thank God for your grandchildren. The miracles that God's already given to you, and especially when they walk home at night or or come through that front door at night. I want you to know something. When my babies come home at night, that is one of the greatest grand miracles. I pray for safety for my children every day. My oldest daughter, Megan, is a COVID-19 nurse on the ninth floor at St. Luke's Hospital. And I want you to know the prayer that we're praying. We're praying for a miracle for, for our daughter, Megan, and for Kaysen and Sienna and our son-in-law, Darrell. We're praying that God will protect them through this COVID-19 uh, pandemic. But every time Megan goes home and her temperatures are normal and her baby's temperatures are normal and Darrell temperatures are normal. We thank God for that miracle. Do you see what I'm saying? God is providing the miracle after miracle after miracle. And yet sometimes because we don't see $10,000 just drop out of the sky. I, by the way, I've practically seen that. But sometimes if it doesn't come in the form that we want it, we think God has not given us a miracle. Now let me close with this. God wants to give you a miracle. And I believe the greatest miracle, let me start with this, the greatest miracle is the transformation of a heart from a non-believer to a believer in Jesus Christ. That, I believe, is the greatest miracle of all. And let me just share this with you. If you're already a believer, then start thanking God for the greatest miracle He could give you, and that is called eternal life. If you're not a believer and you want to give your life to Jesus Christ, I want you to bow your heads in your home today or wherever you're watching this, and I want you to pray this prayer with me. Heavenly Father... Today, I look to you, God, in a different way about a miracle. I believe that you, want, that you want to give me the miracle of eternal life and forgive me of my sin and wash all of my past away. I ask you to forgive me and to restore to me, God, a, a, a healthy view of who you are. I ask that you give me that healthy view today. I ask that you come into my life, come into my heart, and I surrender my life to you as Lord and Savior. Write my name in the book of life so that I may spend eternity with you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, your name is now written in the book of life. That is a miracle. That's the greatest miracle you'll ever receive. Let God build on that. Go after the miracle. Ask God. Don't ever be afraid to ask God for your miracle. But then at the same time, start looking to be part of somebody else's miracle. And I promise you, because God promises, if you'll sow that seed, you'll reap that harvest. In the name of Jesus Christ. Have a great week. Be blessed. Thank you for joining us. We're going to spend a little bit more time in worship with Pastor Mike Bowie and the worship team. God. We hope you found this audio presentation from St. Charles River Church both beneficial and enjoyable. If you're ever in the area, please come by and visit us. You can also reach us online at www.stcharles.com. 
riverchurch.org.